Hey, welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast, and we're here with Chris Cotillo of Mass Live. How you doing? I'm good, Zach. How are you? Thanks for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time and um, donating uh, your precious time to me tonight. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter and what and and uh, where your work can be found? Yeah, so it's uh, you know pretty basic. Chris Cotillo, C O T I L L O, and I'm uh, cover the Red Sox for MassLive.com and uh, host a podcast for the website called uh, the Fenway Rundown. So hopefully get that really going this year. We've had a few players over the winter and hopefully we'll keep, keep that up. That's awesome. And um, um, what what I'm doing, this is like, as I said to you before we recorded, this is a fantasy focused podcast, but I'm trying to get uh, beat writers from each of the teams. I don't know if I'll get everyone, but you Mm -hmm. were gracious enough to to join me and you cover the Red Sox. Um, And one of my friends, I asked, I, I asked them, who should I ask? And right away, they said, ask Chris. So you're the man um, for the Red Sox. Good. I and appreciate I, that. And I appreciate, I appreciate you joining me. So let's get started right into the, the recent news and notes. And there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of happenings in, in Boston um, with the mm-hmm. recent trades um, and, and new signings and stuff like that. So why don't, um, why don't you run down some of that stuff and give me your thoughts and is there any new, is there any potential news that I might not even know yet? Yeah, no, there's, there's been a, a very busy week. You know, obviously they, they kind of, uh, like a lot of teams, had a, a pretty slow off season for, you know, most of December, most of January, um, and a couple moves here and there. Matt Andres, Hunter Renfro are kind of the two early free agent signings. They were in on everybody and linked to everybody. And then uh, kind of two uh, quick rashes of activity. A few weeks ago, they acquired Adam Adovino from the Yankees and then signed two free agents, Kike Hernandez and Garrett Richards, the starting pitcher. Things were quiet again for another couple of weeks. And now, um, you know, this week, it seems like they're, they are back to being active. Obviously the big news in these parts, the Andrew Benintendi trade sends him to Kansas city for a package of five players to uh, the only major leaguer coming back is Franchi Cordero, the outfielder. Um, Marwin Gonzalez agreed to a one-year $3 million deal. It's not officially yet, but should be in the next couple of days. And then uh, here at Kazu Sawamura, Japanese reliever is coming uh, as well uh, on a two-year $3 million deal that that looks like that should be finalized in the next couple of days. So um you know, not, not a lot of sexy moves, not a lot of uh, big headlines. I think the Ben Attendee one obviously is pretty significant, but uh, other than that, kind of a lot of, um, you know, depth upgrades and, and good baseball moves for the Red Sox this winter. And uh, a lot of guys will be in different roles than they were last year, which is good for them because they were 24 and 36. Well, you know what? I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch. Um, I'm from Toronto. Um, so I am a Blue Jays fan. So we are rivals in a way, but I think the Red Sox are an exciting team. And from a fantasy perspective, there's a lot of exciting players on that team. Um, you mentioned you might as well knock off the closer situation um, early in this mm-hmm. uh, interview, uh, but you mentioned Ottavino and you mentioned uh, the international signing. I'm not going to try and pronounce the name, but um, <laughs> just because I know I'll screw it up. But they also have um, Maddie Barnes there, right? right. So um, if you had to, if you had to guess uh, who, who opens the year as uh, getting the most saves, and and do you think that's going to change over the course of the year? Yeah, you know, at this point, I, I think. You know, Barnes and Ottavino are the two clear uh, candidates, but I, I think it's also possible that they go out and make another free agent signing. That's kind of heated up, you know, today. Uh, throughout the day, it seems like they ran on other relievers. They've been talking to Brandon Workman about a reunion. Um, they've been talking to a couple other relievers. Jeremy Jeffers is another guy. So not sure the exact pecking order yet. Um, you know, in 2019 and Alex Cora's last year here before he, you know, got suspended and got let go and all that transpired he didn't want to have a set closer he wanted to do the bullpen by committee high leverage situation type of stuff and it really backfired because he ended up overusing matt barnes overusing ryan brazier the guys that were really um you know the 
the top uh, guys in that bullpen. They were overused by June because the starters were not pitching well. Um, and it ended up snowballing to the point where they had to have Evaldi as the closer. And then um, by the end of the year, they installed Workman and he pitched, um, you know, really well down the stretch in 19, pretty good for the Red Sox 20 and then imploded once he got to Philly and now he's a free agent. So uh, we'll see where he lines up, but I don't think Alex Cora is going to be doing that bullpen by committee thing again. I think in this time around, he's going to want to set closer. He's going to want guys in certain roles. Um, and I think it's probably a two horse race between out of Ottavino and Barnes. Um, I think if I were to guess the Red Sox want to keep Barnes out of the ninth inning. So I'd lean toward Ottavino at this point, but um you know, it all depends on if they make another signing. I think that's very possible. If Brandon Workman comes back, maybe he's the ninth inning guy. That worked very well for them in 19. So uh, I don't think it's a complete picture yet. I think there's, you know, I just as we're sitting here, you know, there's a ton of relievers that have just come off the board today. So I think there's probably 10 or 12 left. The Red Sox could sign one of those guys. Um, and, and then from there, they'll figure it out in spring training. But I don't I, I think it, though, they will have a set closer for sure. That's good to hear. Um, I, somebody was telling me, and, and this is this, this was news to me, that they, they were saying that Brazier was a Cora guy. Yeah, he's a guy that that Cora does like. You know, I think there's – you look at the bullpen mix and who's going to make the team, and to me, you know, Barnes and Brazier are, are locks. And then the two guys that Cora is super high on that I think as these guys go, the bullpen goes, Darwinson Hernandez and Josh Taylor. Uh, I think those guys are super, super important. They're going to rack up a lot of innings. Last year was kind of a lost year for both of them because they both tested positive for COVID right at the beginning of training camp, and I think they fell off some people's radars. Taylor, in particular, had a bad year. Um, Darwinson was fine, but he was hurt, and they both of them had arm injuries, you know, like a lot of guys did. So um, those guys are pretty high on. I think Austin Bryce will probably factor in at least at the beginning of the season because he's out of options, um, not in terms of saves, but he'll get a role. And then Andres will be in the bullpen and a rule five guy in Garrett Whitlock that they like a lot. Um, with, they have a lot more depth than they have in previous years. Even a guy like Phillips Valdez will be in the mix again. Uh, Jeffrey Springs, Colton Brewer. So there's a lot of names, but I, I still think they're a little light and they'll probably add another guy uh, probably before opening day. Right on. So shifting over to the hitting. Um, and by the way, like I, I, I've been to Fenway. I don't know. Um, I, I love Fenway Park. I've, I've been there a couple of times. Uh, I was lucky mm-hmm. to go before uh, the pandemic. Hit, and it's just it's such a great stadium, by the way. Um, it is. It's, it's, it's the best. So, yeah, in terms of hitting, um, let's talk about Cordero and, and Renfro. They, they're, they're, they're reunited from San Diego. They were like, what mm-hmm. do you need there? Are they going to get platoon here? But this wasn't in my agenda. I was just reading this today, actually, before I, I'm sorry, after I'd sent you this. And it was an interview with Dayton Moore, the, the GM of the Royals. Um, mm-hmm. And he says that, um, what were you doing? He said that um, if, if Cordero stays healthy, he's going to do really, really well. He's, he, yeah, he'll do some things on the field that are going to wow you. He's going to need some time because he hasn't had the chance to play a ton over the last couple of years. If he stays healthy and he gets a chance to play every day, he's going to do well. I suspect everyone's going to be really, really happy. He's part of the Boston Red Sox, but he's never played more than 40 games in a year. And he adds, he has tremendous makeup and he's a wonderful human being with power and speed. Um, um, some of the injuries have been freakish, sort of like how he is freakish, but um um, if you didn't notice, there's all the ifs in that paragraph, though. <laughs> there are for sure. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't know much about him before this week because he was just acquired. But um, you know, I, I don't know if it'll be a platoon between those two guys because right now they project as the starting outfielders, Renfro and right, and Cordero on left with Alex Verdugo in center, which I think is uh, crazy to think about. You know, for the last few years, at least before last year when Mookie was traded, they had you know Mookie Betts and right. Uh, Jackie Bradley in center and Andrew Benatendi in left. And now they have this, this crazy outfield of uh, formal, a former National League West guys. I mean, you know, I think 
I look at, you know, Renfro and Cordero is like my, my friends that play DFS, those guys I've heard of as, you know, the, the, the platoon splits, you know, GPP guys. So that's to me, uh, you know, it's weird to think about them having full-time roles, but I feel like, you know, they're pretty confident in Renfro to at least do that. Um, so at that, this point, I think that's probably what the mix is going to be with Kike Hernandez, uh, playing second base and then Marwin Gonzalez slotting in and being half of a platoon in right and half of a platoon in left and then mixing and matching on a day-to-day basis. I think Marwin Gonzalez probably plays something close to an everyday role. He has performance bonuses in his deal based on plate appearances. So, um, you know, those seem attainable and, uh, you know, he, he, he gets probably a lot of at bats as, uh, against righties at first base and then, um, against lefties and, in place of Renfro and then again against uh against righties uh, or against lefties for for Cordero so platooning with you know all three guys I think Marwin's going to find himself all over the field like he usually does right on so what is that what's what's the fallout um on like Bobby Dahlbeck and um Michael um Chavis yeah I think Dahlbeck is you know you're starting first baseman and he will be the guy that is in there you know most often um, he's a young guy. He played, you know, obviously he made his debut last year. He's eligible for the rookie of the year this year. Um, top prospect, homegrown guy, pretty good defensively at first base and extremely powerful. If that strikeout rate comes down, you know, he'll be out there more often than not for sure. I think he'll be, you know, it won't be a straight platoon between him and Marwin at first. I think Dahlbeck gets the lion's share of work there. Chavis to me with Marwin Gonzalez and Kike Hernandez on the roster. And I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. It's tough to see him fitting in anywhere. It's tough to see him, you know, I see him as a definite trade candidate if he has any value, but because he has options and because he's a former first round pick and all that stuff, I think there's a chance that he goes and is sent down to triple A to start the season. So, um, you know, all all, the odds are that Michael Chavis is not on the opening day roster, but Bobby Dahlbeck, definitely um, a guy who'll be getting a lot of playing time. Well, I hope for Red Sox fans, he sort of takes the the steps that Aaron Judge did by when he when he struck out about 50 percent of the time in his first year. (laughs) And then he just yeah. went on to just um, slaughter the slaughter the league the second year. So that's something that, that Dahlbeck could could do. But I looked at some of his videos. He some of his rec- plate recognition isn't so good. Like he st- he swings at pitches that are like sometimes way out of the zone. I've noticed. But when he hits it, he hits it a ton. Yeah, and he was he was like the biggest bright spot for the whole team last year. I mean, five or six straight games with a homer. Um, and uh, you know, a, a lot of he, he made it easy after, you know, fans were not too happy about the Mitch Moreland trade deadline, but he came up that day, hit a homer in his debut. And um, they actually had a pretty, pretty solid over, obviously struck out a lot, but, you know, got some other hits and uh, drove the ball, you know, all over and out of the ballpark once he was up. So he's, yeah, well, it's a big, big key for him this year. Yeah. A lot of those home runs were opposite field that he was able to, he was able to show opposite field power. So that's also right. a good sign. Um, JD Martinez, do you think he, um, He's probably not what he was in his prime. I would, I would, I would venture to guess. But um, what, what sort of rebound are you expecting from him with the video um, back in play? I mean, you know, his prime, as much as that seems like a long time ago, because the last year feels like you know five years. Like he was really, really good in 2018, and he was almost as good in 2019. I mean, he had, you know, I believe his OPS was over a thousand in 18. It was very close in 19. Um, he's still good for about 35. Uh, you know, 35 doubles and, and 40 homers in each of those years. So you now he's a guy that the video thing was a huge deal. You know, he mentioned that time and time and time again. I think a few people in Boston said that, you know, he was making excuses. That was the reality everybody had to deal with, that they couldn't use in-game video. He couldn't study his swing, stuff that he relied on his whole career. But um, with that back, with Alex Cora back and, um, 
you know, being able to fit him into where he really belongs in the lineup, which I know Cora will, will try to do. I think he's, he's due for, you know, a bounce back. He's not going to be one of the worst players in baseball again after he was last year. Um, and so the Red Sox, uh, you know, the Red Sox will go as he goes. I, I think he'll be a huge, huge piece of that. Um, and I'd count on a bounce back. He's just too, too good of a player. And, and really, you know, he's, he's still 33 heading into his age 33, 34 season. Um, you know, he's, he's not really, you know, over the hill, I think, as, as many people might think he is at this point. Um, he works as hard as anybody in baseball. He studies as hard as anybody in baseball. So, um, you know, he's kind of a forgotten guy a little bit after the year he had last year. But I generally think that, you know, people should just wipe 2020. It was just such a weird lead up. We're playing under different rules, under different preparation, all that stuff. So, um, uh, you know, the, I guess how the Red Sox really need him to get back to form. And, and that's the hope that he will. Good to hear. I, maybe I'm, every time I say um, that Martinez is past his prime, I get a flack for it. So you're not the first <laughs> person to 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 get to come back at me for that. Um, I'm going to skip over starting pitching just for a second and get back to some hitting prospects. Now, uh, Tristan Casas is probably not going to be playing a huge role this year, I'd imagine. But the guy that everyone's talking about in fantasy circles and is being drafted the highest of all the prospects is um, Jeter Downs. Mm-hmm. Um, now Jeter Downs, all these all these additions to the roster probably makes it a little bit more unlikely he's he's up right away or and plays as big of a role as he does. Yeah, he's 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 not going to be in the majors for a long time. He's not going to be in the majors probably for you know at least the first half of the season, barring a surprise injury or if he's really tearing it up at AAA. I mean, the, he has not played a game. It's you know the trade is a year old now or a year and a week old, so people you know think he's been in the Red Sox organization a while, but he's not played a game. Uh, against other competition um, other than just major league spring training last year. And that was only a handful of games, right? Like a week after he got traded uh, from the Dodgers in that Mookie trade. So, you know, to me, I still, I think they're still trying to figure him out. They're still trying to, you know, feel him out and get to know him. And, um, you know, he was impressive at the alternate site, but still there's uh, there's some room there, you know, and Casas he's invited to big league camp, I think, which is probably going to happen anyway this year, but you know, with the no minor league camp, it just makes all the sense in the world. He making his major league debut this year would be an absolute shock uh, still, um, you know, the Red Sox, I think that's kind of the the thinking behind, you know, what they're going to do at first base this year with uh, Casas and Dahlbeck and um, you know, the future, I think their ideal future is, uh, Casas at first, uh, and Dahlbeck probably at third and Devers is the DH. I think that's probably what they think the long-term future will look like, um, because the Devers shaky defense, but they believe in him. So they still keep him there for now. Um, but Casas is not going to be a factor this year. Right. I didn't expect him either. One guy that I'm, that I'm sort of even reluctant to mention because I want to draft him in all my drafts because I've, yeah, know, these drafts go really deep is Jaron Duran. Now he, like a lot of the, a lot of the players that I draft with are all over Jeter Downs. I'm all over Jared Durant for this year. And I was before, I guess they signed some other play. Like, I guess things, ch- things changed since the beginning of like November and where I thought that there was a shot that he could get a shot, um, get a, get a legitimate chance. But I watched the videos in Sim city and he mm-hmm. was crushing the ball and he changed, he, he lowered his hands and he, he was really good. And he, yeah, I, I think he was a different player. Like I didn't really know much about him before, but he just seems like, he just seems like such a stud. Yeah, you know, I think the way the Red Sox have constructed their outfield this year shows you how high they are on him. I mean, he's not going to make the team out of opening day just for service time reasons, and they're going to want to keep him down for a couple weeks like a lot of teams do at least. Um, But, you know, when you think about it, you know, him in center and Verdugo and and right, and then, you know, Renfro and – 
Cordero platooning in left makes a lot more sense than the current, you know, bill that they have. So, um, yeah, I think he's, he's going to be up in the majors pretty soon. Honestly. Um, they just has checked every box for the Red Sox. He's improved constantly at the alternate site. Like you mentioned, he was incredible down in Puerto Rico for winter ball. I think you know, he starred in the championship series, Alex Cora for Alex Cora's hometown team in Caguas. And Alex Cora was there watching every game and he was kind of obsessed with watching him there at the end. So um, if he has a big camp, I, I think that there's a chance we see him probably by the end of April. And um, I don't think they would have taken this course with Jackie Bradley and been, been comfortable trading Andrew Benintendi if they weren't as high as they are on Duran. So while the outfield looks light right now, that, that future arrangement I talked about with Verdugo, him, and, uh, and then that, I guess, ex-Padre platoon yeah. um, makes sense. Well, I did hear that his defense was a little bit uh, because he was a converted second baseman. I heard his defense was a little bit shakier um, than they'd like, but that's just something I read. Yeah, I mean, he's got the speed. He's he's kind of green. He's been uh, out of, uh, you know, he's been out of just the draft for only two or three years. So there, there's still a lot of time to uh, it's there's not a lot of time that he's really been in the pros. So, um, you know, the bat is there. The speed is there. Um, he's going to be, anybody's going to be a defensive downgrade from Jackie Bradley. So, um, and, and that's, you know, not locked into, you know, anything that he goes to center and Verdugo goes to right too. You know, they'll, they'll see who uh, plays best there and Kike Hernandez can play the outfield. Mara Gonzalez can play the outfield. So, you know, the way they built this roster, they built the roster with, you know, two of like the prime utility men in all of baseball and Kike and Marwin. So that, that says a lot that, you know, there's going to be platoons. There's going to be mixing and matching. Alex Cora likes to keep busy and do that stuff. So I think that'll uh, be very satisfying to him as, as the season gets going. You think Duran, once he's up, if and once he, if and when he's up, do you think he plays pretty much every day? Um, it's a tough question. It depends on, I guess, you know, if Cordero's not producing, if let's say, you know, Renfro's not producing, which those things are very possible, then yeah, I mean, I think it's possible if Marwin doesn't work out, you know, Marwin didn't have a good year last year, you know, that's why they got him on a one year, $3 million deal. So, um, kind of depends on the mix they have. One of those guys struggles and, and, uh, you know, if, if I think it would be a miracle for them to hit on all three and all three have be playing really well. So, um, you know, I, I would guess, you know, once he's up, he might be, he might be playing, you know, most days, but, um, you know, we saw last year, even it wasn't a competitive team. I know they hope to be competitive last year, but Dahlbeck gets called up. He's playing every day. Christian Arroyo, who uh, is a guy we haven't talked about, but was basically the starting second baseman for the last half of, of last year. You know, when he got called up, I know he wasn't, you know, your normal prospect. He's bounced around a little bit and he's a former first round pick. Once he got called up, he was playing every day. Um, and you saw by the end of the year, how can Pavetta put in the rotation? You know, those guys got the chance. So, um, you know, when they're competitive, I don't know. Uh, if they're competitive early on, I don't know if those uh, roles are going to be kind of the same, but, um, you know, I think Duran will get his chance for sure. Red Sox are pretty aggressive historically with promoting prospects. I believe Ben Intendi came from double A. Um, yep. I don't know. I don't know how Cora would handle that with like different, differently, differently than, um, than um, uh, Mr. Renneke last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know if I don't know how they'd handle the, just giving everyday playing time to prospects, um, just given there's a managerial change. Well, I think the decision is all really up to Heim Bloom, and he's he's not going to rush guys up. So, um, you know, Cora, uh, they Cora's first couple of years, 18, 19, they had uh, a very veteran team. I, I think the only guy that really comes to mind was Chavis back in 19. He came up, they needed a second baseman. He had bounced around a lot of different positions in the minors. But when he came up, Brock Holt was hurt. Eduardo Nunez was hurt. They needed a guy at second base, and they plugged him in. He started hitting, and um, 
the job was basically, you know, his either playing second or playing at first as a, in a platoon with um, Moreland for the rest of the year. So uh, he faded at the end of the year there and then you know, had a kind of a lost 2020, but um, you know, he was thrown right into the fire and he, he was uh, kind of the starter there, at least uh, bouncing back and forth between first and second under Cora. So um, that shows that he's willing to do it. Right. Um, speaking of the managerial um, change, my friend wanted me to ask you a question about um, Christian Vasquez, my friend mm-hmm. Dave. Um, he said that um, he thinks that um, Christian Vasquez wasn't played as much like as regularly uh, last year as he was during the Cora era. And when I looked, he, he played, I think, 78% of the games last year um, versus like 85 the year before. So it wasn't like a significant difference, but, but I'll ask the question anyways. Um, like I, I said, it wasn't really a significant enough difference to ask the question, but um, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to anyways. So do, do you see anything, um, do, you, do you see anything with the usage of um, like um, Vasquez, um, the Vasquez's usage changing to being used more when with Corey being back? Um, you know, I, I think just over the course of 162 games, you know, there's a better chance that he wears down. Um, and the Red Sox really like the backup catcher they have. And Kevin Ploiecki hit really well last year. It seemed like he you know, was hitting really well with runners in scoring position. His bat finally came around. You know, he's a former top prospect for the Mets. And like, um, you know, Bacora loves Christian Vasquez. He stuck with him, you know, even though Sandy Leon kind of passed him for a bit there in 2018 and people were calling for Blake Swihart. You know, they're both from Puerto Rico. So Christian Vasquez will have a huge role. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how teams monitor their catchers because um, it'll be you know, kind of the same thing as pitchers in terms of the workload last year wasn't the same. Depends who comes into shape, or who comes into camp in shape. But um, it is your classic, like, this guy's your, your 1A uh, your number one catcher in Christian Vasquez, and then you have a clear backup in Ploiecki. Um, and I don't see really anything changing that. It's just tough to gauge if it's going to be, you know, 120 or 130 or what it's going to be. But Vasquez is still um, going to get a chance. It will be the starter, but, but for, for sure. All right. So um, speaking of starting pitching um, or catching, that um, the catchers that um, catch the starting pitchers. Um, last year, I was – pretty down on the starting pitching that the Red Sox had, like even more mm-hmm. so than other people were. This year, I think I'm I'm actually pretty excited for it, like from a fantasy perspective, like just the additions of um, particularly Pavetta and um, Richards and, and Tanner Hawk. I, st- I saved talking about him in the prospect section because yeah, he's, he's a guy I, I love as well. Like that slider is wicked. It's, w- it's a wicked good slide, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never talked like that in my life, but I <laughs> So yeah, what do you think about the rotation? Um, like, what? How do you think that's going to shake out? Um, what can we expect from Sale? Um, when do you think? When do you expect him back? Um, like, I think Perez is going to be in the rotation because mm-hmm. like, love, like they're buddies, right? Um, they, uh, so I think I expect him to have a pretty long leash in that rotation. And um, like I said, like Pavetta, um, Pavetta's. Um, let's talk. Let's save. Let's save him for after because I want to talk about his pitch mix, but. Um, um, Garrett Richards, like he's been labeled as injury prone, but he's fixed his elbow and he has no issues since then. And he's had a pretty good track record over his career. Yeah. So when, yeah, about- I, you know, I, I think, you know, the big question mark is Eduardo Rodriguez coming back after missing last year and what his workload could be. I don't think it's going to be 200. I don't think it's going to be, you know, 180. I think it's going to be probably less than that. Um, but they say he's feeling good. They'll be ready for opening day. So if that happens, he was their best pitcher in 2019. So I think the opening day rotation is, you know, barring injury, Rodriguez, 
Evaldi, Garrett Richards, Perez, and Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta's out of options. Uh, I could see them going with a six-man group. Maybe Andres is that six-man in there. Um, oh, t- that'd be Hawk. Tanner Hawk. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's uh, – uh, um, and so that that's a tough, you know, tough for house because he impressed so much, you know, last year. But uh, that's just kind of the reality of the situation, and and they'll have a chance where they need to use him as the season goes on for sure. Um, they have some depth now. Like Garrett Whitlock and the Rule Five pick, he might get a chance to start a little later on. Um, you know, Andres is a guy that has started in the past. They brought him in to be a swingman, versatile type. Uh, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll get to it, but Brian Mata and Connor Seabold coming up later on uh, in the summer. And, and obviously the return of Chris Dale, I know you asked about him. They're going to be conservative with him. Uh, my guess um, would probably be, you know, July for Chris Sale. They're going to take it pretty conservatively, make sure he's completely okay um, because they have him for the long haul on a long contract. And um, especially if this team's not going to be a world beater this year, they don't want to rush him back to, you know, be the difference between 80 wins and 82, you know? Right. So uh, let me ask you this. Last year, um, well, at the, before the 2020 season, Chris Sale, like there was rumblings that he wasn't maybe 100% and he ultimately needed Tommy John surgery. But I remember in, was it January or February? They're like, he has the flu. He's going to be like, he's going to be delayed. And then I'm thinking, yeah. about how, like, how is the flu? This is before COVID. So like the flu was just the flu back then. Um, yeah. How is the flu going to like, is, going to tell you that Chris Sale is going to be delayed in his start to the season, like two months before the start of the season. Like you don't have the flu for two months. And then again, this year, they're like, oh, Chris Sale had a setback. He has a stiff neck. So like, again, it's the same weird vibes I'm getting from like the reports. Like, it's just like something, something's missing. Yeah. Well, last year, well, what happened was in mid-August of 19, he went on the DL or the injured list, I guess at that point. And now um, he went on the injured list with, um, elbow inflammation and they gave, he, they thought he needed Tommy John at that point. He had a PRP injection. I think he had a second one. Um, so they decided to avoid surgery. So the big storyline heading into spring training was, would he be, um, at full strength? He worked all winter to get back. And then once he had the flu and he had no energy, which he has said since that he thinks that there's a chance that could have been, you know, an early COVID case because he said he was completely, you know, couldn't get off the couch or couldn't get out of bed for like a week. Um, just the amount, the amount of strength that he lost and the amount of time, you know, he lost and, and arm strength and all that stuff set him back so much because it was such a severe illness. Once he got back from that is, you know, he started throwing again, he was better. Um, you know, they did declare that he was not going to be ready for opening day pretty early. You're right. And, um, but then at that point, you know, they were saying two weeks into the season, we can expect to have him. Um, and then, you know, the, the elbow started tugging again. And by the end, by the time spring training shut down, it was clear he was headed for uh, Tommy John surgery, which is almost a year ago, I think 11 months ago right now. So, um, you know, the next, the next stiffness thing, they're just, they're going to be as careful as any team has ever been in bringing somebody back. And if he says he has a stiff neck, they don't want to risk him getting out of rhythm. They want to do this the right way. And they're going to slow it down as much as possible. So I get the conspiracy theory thing a little bit, but uh, he's, he's a guy that they just want to be ultra, ultra careful with. Um, They have been so far. uh, And I expect that to continue. So, you know, I don't think he'll be back, you know, before the midway point, I doubt he'd be back before the all-star break. Um, if the team's in it, it'll be a big boost midway through the season. It'll be like a trade deadline acquisition of a potential ace. Um, and I think that's what they're hoping for. No, that makes that explanation makes a lot of sense. So what are your expectations on Hawk? 
You know, he's uh, probably going to start in AAA, barring an injury, um, or if Eduardo Rodriguez or Evaldi, you know, can't start the season. Evaldi ended healthy last year, but he's just been so injury-prone in the past that it's always possible. Um, with Rodriguez, it just depends on, you know, he missed a whole year due to a heart condition. Any sign that something's wrong and they're going to shut him down again, so they need the depth for sure. Um, you know, Hauk is a guy, he, he made three starts or two, st- three, I think it was three starts last year, and he was excellent. You know, he was the Red Sox best pitcher. Um which is crazy to say because he only threw like 16 innings, but um, he was, he was, and um, a high upside prospect. And, you know, they're going to work in spring training to fine tune the things that made him successful in his major league debut. He'll probably start in AAA or as a high leverage bullpen arm. Um, you know, I, I think if they were wanted to lock him in uh, to the rotation, they wouldn't have promised rotation spots to um, Garrett Richards and Martin Perez. Now something else I think that they could definitely do is a six man rotation. I think we're going to see a lot of teams doing that. Uh, across the board, which I'm sure for fantasy purposes, you want to try to get the guys making, you know, in the five-man turn instead of the six-man turn. So sure. um, avo- avoid Seattle because uh, I think they're locked into the six-man. Pod- Padres could be an avoid as well. Yeah, but I mean, there. this is, you know, if, if it's Rodriguez, uh, Evaldi, Richards, Perez, Pavetta, Hauk is a six-man, that makes a lot of sense. And you have Andresi as the seventh guy there. Um, there is a lot more depth than there was last year when it was Evaldi, Perez, and you know, me as the third starter, Ryan Weber, whoever it was. So um, I think, you know, if they do a six-man group, Houck's in there. If they do a five-man group, I give the edge to Pavetta right now. But we're going to see a lot of pitching injuries. They're going to need, you know, eight, nine, ten guys to get through the season. That's what they're trying to do. Right. Um, so back to Pavetta. The, um, is that Was that like an organizational philosophy for um, – because he did change his pit mix. He, he threw the slider um, significantly more. I think he cut mm-hmm. – I think I read that they um, – they um they cut down his curveball usage when it wasn't really um, popping, and then yeah they they increased the slider and he did well in two starts, right? Yeah, he was. I mean, I, I'm not sure exactly you know what the pitch mix situation was. Obviously, the data's there, and and you know I've looked at it too, and uh, you're right. I'm not sure if that was an organizational philosophy, but they when they acquired him, remember they kept him in the minors. They kept him at Pawtucket at the AAA site for a full month. That was partly to manipulate his service time, get an extra year out of him on the back end. Um, which people have different opinions on. And the other half was to really get him in the lab and really fine tune his stuff. And, you know, you had the pitching coaches down there and the organizational pitching coaches really, you know, work to get as much upside out of him as possible. And, and he definitely looked good in a couple of starts he made at the end of the year. Um, you know, they're high on this guy. Heim Bloom's gone out of his way a couple of times this off season to say that he was really happy um, that they got him and that he's very excited to uh, have him slotted into the rotation. So, um, that makes me feel like he's probably got the edge. And like I said, he's out of options. So there's no, really nowhere to put him. The bullpen's a little bit crowded. He was super excited about the pr- prospect of starting because the Phillies put him in the bullpen. He didn't like that. And he didn't pitch well as a reliever. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a high upside guy. Obviously, you know, the results have not been there for the last couple of years in Philadelphia. Um, but you know, the Red Sox for what they gave up, you know, they gave, uh, he was the him and Seabold for Workman and Hembry in that trade. You know, it's tough to see them, uh, you know, probably it's tough. It's tough to see them, you know, not giving this guy a long leash, at least to start the year. Yeah, no, I like that trade for the Red Sox. And uh, I think you pried him away from the, the Rays who were interested in him, which is, which is nice. So if, if the Rays- Yeah, that's always a, you know, if the Rays yeah. were interested in you, then there's upside there. And that yeah. was, I mean, that trade was already good for the Red Sox, but I mean, they, the Phillies acquired Workman with just the month left to control because he's a free agent. And then they acquired Hembry with this extra year and Hembry was so bad that they outrighted him off the roster. Um, <laughs> I, if you look at those two, the two of them, what they did in Philly, you know, 
the Red Sox definitely won that side of the deal. It's tough to already, uh, the Phillies lost it. Uh, even if, even if Seabold and Pavetta don't turn into anything. And I think, you know, Pavetta get not to harp on this trade for too long, but Pavetta gets all the headlines and Seabold's a guy that you could really see up in the rotation by, you know, midway through the year. He's a very high upside guy as well. Really? Okay. That, I'm going to have to look into him because if somebody wasn't really on my radar at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so last, last thing I wanted to ask you is um, because in, in the fantasy circles that we play and the plate appearances are so key. That's why a lot of my questions were, were driving plate appearances and, and playing time. I, I want to get you to predict what you, what the starting lineup is going to be on opening day. And then again, like in mid season on July 1st. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very tough because it depends on if they're facing a righty and lefty. And then there's about three different positions that switch around at that point. I mean, I think Verdugo is going to be locked in as your, as your leadoff guy. Um, you know, Alex Gore is very high on Kike Hernandez. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if, if he gets in the top of the lineup or, or where he is, but you know, I, I'd say probably Devers too, um, you know, and then Bogarts and Martinez or whatever, where they fall three, four Vasquez, Vasquez has been the guy and, and snuck up to the five, a few, you know, for over the last couple of years. And then, uh, you know, Kike either and the two slot are probably in the six, you know, Marwin toward the bottom of the order, um, you know, Franchi would be toward the bottom of the order. Renfro against lefties. I, I think about a couple of years ago, Steve Pierce was sometimes hitting very high in the lineup against lefties with Cora. So that could happen in that situation. We know that, you know, Renfro is a guy that mashes and, and will defend what playing at home will help him. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, there, there's talk about, you know, lineup optimization stuff and it has JD Martinez batting second. I don't think that's probably going to happen. I'd go with, you know, Verdugo, um, and Devers, if they wanted to split up the lefties, Verdugo and Kike. Um, and then, you know, midway through the season, it really depends on, you know, riding that hot hand. If, if uh, you know, or if Dahlbeck is proving that he can be an everyday player and he's mashing, he can move up, you know, from where he's, he, he hit, you know, eighth, I think, last year for most of it and moved up by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least beginning, he was hitting eighth in the lineup. But he could move up and obviously be a power bat in the middle of that lineup. Um if you know Renfro is is hitting righties and lefties and playing good defense, he could work his way into an everyday role and change. I mean, they just have a lot of question marks. Um, but but that that core five really of Verdugo, Devers, Bogarts, Martinez, and Vasquez, I think, is locked in. And then the other four spots, we'll see what happens. You know, first base is going to be Dahlbeck and Marwin. Left field for for now for now is going to be uh, you know Cordero and and probably Marwin again, right field is going to be Marwin and Renfro. And then second is probably going to be a lot of Kike Hernandez. So he's, he's the guy that's locked in, I think to the most playing time and July 1st, I don't know. Will Jaron Duran be there? Um, We'll see. He'd he'd be the one big addition. It's hard to imagine any of those top four falling out of the top four in that lineup under under any conditions other than injury. Yeah. I mean, you never know with, with platoon matchups and, you know, I I remember Mitch Moreland batting pretty high at, at points and, and, and obviously, um, you know, Steve Pierce, you know, former World Series MVP doing the same thing. Blue Jays legend as well. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I remember Piercy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's 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 all the questions I had. Um, I uh, do want to um, just, um, again, remind everyone where they can find you and where you plug your work um, or if there's anything else you want to announce or, or anything else you have to say. Yeah, just Chris Cotillo at MassLive.com and, and on Twitter, C-O-T-I-L-L-O. Appreciate you having me. Thanks very much. I appreciate you spending the time with me.